you have the ability to trust. We just have this thing on the inside of us that we trust. But when it comes to Christianity, we have to trust in Jesus. Trust in that name. It's that name that is above everything. It's above every name that is named. And at that name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he is Lord. And man, why wait till we have to do it? Why not do it before we have to do it? <clears throat> because when you do it before you have to do it, that brings you into kingdom things. Just like the song said, you know, we want to we believe for greater things. We want greater things to happen in our life greater than where we're at right now. If you're doing miracle signs and wonders where you're at right now, believe for greater than that. Because Jesus said, you've seen all the works that I've done. You've read about all the works that I've done. But greater things will come to those who believe. Greater things will come to those who trust. It's about trusting. You may believe that Jesus did all those things, but when you trust that he did all those things and you trust that he's put those things in you, greater things are going to happen to you. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Your greatest ministry is out in front of you. The greatest ministry takes for you to trust in him. Wow. That's a, that Man, that's a good song. That was so good. So, man... Well, give them a big hand clap or something. That's one, yeah, one one hand clap in the room. Anyways, uh, man, it's so good to have you guys here today joining us. It's good to have you guys here. Thank you all so much for doing what you do. It's awesome. So, um, man, what a what a great day we've got ahead of you. And um, uh, as um, this time of the year uh, comes around, this weekend is... Uh, Memorial Day weekend, and uh, my wife and I just kind of talk about how Memorial Day, even though it's like the gateway time to summer, uh, lots of people, you know, usually this time of year, schools are letting out, and and uh, it's a big celebration time and things like that, but Memorial Day is uh, different. Memorial Day should not be a celebration. It should not be a happy Memorial Day. Unless you're celebrating those who have given their lives. That's what Memorial Day is all about. It's about those giving themselves um, in, in combat for our freedom. And, um, you know, on February 7th, 1968, I had an uncle that died in Vietnam. And he uh, he gave his life for the freedom of this country, for helping the freedoms of other countries and other people. And uh, he gave his life. And I honor that. I never got to know him because I was born nine months later. I was born in November of 1968. But, um, you know, my dad and my uncles and my aunts talk about him and what a, what a wonderful person he was. So um, anyways, man, just tomorrow on Memorial Day, I, I just ask of you to... Um, take a moment at some part of your day, take a moment and, and pray for the, the families that have lost people in combat and in war, uh, no matter what era that, that happened in. And, and um, just give thanks to God that there are people who are willing to stand up and, and fight for freedom, fight for what they believe in, fight for what they trust in. So with that... Um, we just want you all to have a great, safe Memorial Day weekend, wherever you are. With that, I'm going to get into some things today. Um, my plan at the beginning of this whole quarantine thing, uh, knowing that I was going to preach these three, these next three weeks, was to um, was to talk about a, a series called Remedy, and uh, it's it was basically about uh, it is basically about um, New Testament healing and what healing is like in the New Testament and the different aspects of healing in the New Testament. But um, where we're at in this current time, I sat down and started studying these things out. And what I found out or what I figured out for myself is that it's not, it's not time yet. 
And so we're going we're gonna to put that on hold for just a few weeks and see where we go with that. But um, uh, I, don't, I don't know all that I'm going to preach over the next three weeks or four weeks or five weeks, however long. But um, I just, I just want to go with the flow of where we're at in this time. And so um, with that, <clears throat> I sat down this week and um, just kind of been looking at some things. What's it going to look like? post-quarantine, um, I, 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 know, I know this deep in my spirit. I know that normal, as we knew it before this all happened, is not going to ever be again. Uh, is there a new normal? There's always a new normal. We've, we've already transitioned, so to speak, into a normal um, through, through what we've been going through. You know, we've, we've learned how to find the rhythm and the flow of what we're doing even though we may not like it, but we found the rhythm and the flow of it. So there's a, there's a normal there. But <clears throat> as we move forward into this and trying to transition some things back into some normalcy as we knew it, um, I kind of just want to touch on some things, but I want to touch on them from the spirit uh, of things and, and see how th- things are um, going to transpire. So today, uh, if you have your Bibles... If you would go to uh, Matthew chapter 3, Matthew chapter 3, and I'm going to be ministering out of the New King James today, and um, probably my favorite out of all of them, a little bit old school, but um, I uh, just really wanted to um, bring, try to make it as simple as possible, but as American Christians today, <clears throat> what we're living in, and I, I believe this has gotten even more um, relevant over the last several months, is that we're living in a culture of division. I mean, it, you know, which side of the aisle are you on? Which, you know, political party? Which, um, you know, are you Christian? Or are you not Christian? I mean, we just live... It seems like it's everything that you do is divided. Everything, every opinion you have is divided. Uh, it's just a culture of division. And, and trying to, to navigate the waters of politics and religion, the, the two biggest things you're not supposed to talk about at family gatherings, the two biggest thing you're not supposed to talk about um, around a, a table at dinner, um, but... That's, that's where we're divided in the biggest realm of things. And um, no one knew this kind of culture more and was expected to address it and didn't address it, did not talk about it or talked about it less than Jesus Christ. He, he lived in a, in a world or a culture of division. And so... Um, Everyone in Jesus' day, in that day, expected that when the Messiah showed up, they were expecting the Messiah to show up. And when he did show up, they were expecting the Messiah to come in and conquer Rome and set up his kingdom and everyone live happily ever after. It sounded like a a Disney princess movie is what they wanted to happen. And, you know, not without... Uh, conflict and things like that, but but anyways, the um, the people of that day were expecting the Messiah to show up and conquer Rome and set up his own kingdom. But look what happened when the Messiah shows up. Here in Matthew chapter three, and I want to start out in verse thirteen. It says this: When Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him saying, I need to be baptized of you and you are coming to me. But Jesus answered and said to him, permit it to be so now for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he, John, allowed him When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. 
and suddenly a voice coming from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Let's pray real quick. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day and thank you for this time that we have together. I thank you for the moments that we spend together, the moments we spend in your word, the moments that we spend um, exploring who you are. And so, Father, right now in Jesus' name, I pray that you would give me the words to say, that you would help me to communicate these things accurately. But not only that, that God, that your people would hear the communication and receive it and, and, and go with it the way that they need to in this day and in this time. I praise you and thank you for encountering every single person watching or listening to this uh, message today. I thank you and I praise you for all that you do and all that you're going to do. God, we just say greater things in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus did not begin his ministry with a grandiose political statement about hope, about change, about making Israel great again. He didn't, he didn't start out with this grand thing to, to, to begin his ministry. He didn't come and, in the beginning and he didn't say, follow me or else. He didn't come in and say, you need to get, get, get saved. He didn't come in and say, turn or burn. He didn't say any of those things. What Jesus did is he came and he got wet. Did you hear what I said? He came and he got wet. He didn't need to be baptized, but he was still baptized. And coming up from the water with his hair wet, water dripping down his eyelashes, water dripping off the end of his nose and off the the bottom of his beard. His clothes are soaked. He hears this booming voice. He could probably hear the water dripping through his ears. And all of a sudden, he hears this booming voice saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. This is my beloved son. Jesus hadn't done anything yet. He hadn't, Jesus hadn't done anything yet. He, there, there, there were no healings done yet. There were no uh, demonic confrontations. There were no raisings of the dead. <clears throat> yet he heard this voice say, this is my beloved son. Just baptism. The only thing that he had done in his 30 years that, that, that was great is he built tables and cabinets and stuff. Just baptism, and he didn't even need that. Yet, that voice, that voice, this is my beloved son. And you know what Jesus did when he heard that voice? He believed it. He believed it. All these 30 years, he had been the son of of Mary and Joseph. He had brothers and sisters. He had seemed like it's a pretty normal life. I mean, um, he was perfect. And I'm sure his brothers and sisters didn't like that very well. But the fact of the matter is, is he hadn't really heard the voice of the Father in this manner before. And when, when God spoke that, when God opened the heavens and spoke that, this is my beloved son, Jesus believed it. My beloved son. Beloved. 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 Beloved was not about accomplishing anything, but it was about who loved him. Listen to me. When Jesus believed in the voice that spoke from heaven that said, this is my beloved son, it transformed his identity. 
It transferred love and it transposed his purpose. Let me say that again. When Jesus heard that voice from heaven and he believed that he was the son of that voice in heaven, it transformed his total identity. And it transferred all of the love of the father into him. And it transposed his purpose. He wasn't a cabinet maker anymore. Now there was something to do. Boom. Jesus is set. His purpose is set. Everything is set. So he can just walk into the city, change the political arena, and establish a new kingdom, right? I mean, that's, that's exactly what he could do, is just, just leave right out of the Jordan, take a right-hand turn, take off into the city of Jerusalem, conquer Rome, set up a new kingdom. But that's not what he did. He came out of the water and he turned, but not towards the city. He turned towards the desert. Wet hair, soaked clothes, dripping from him. Every footstep he took, he left puddles from that Jordan River headed towards the desert. Go on and down in Matthew chapter 4. In verse 1, it says, Jesus, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. How many of you know you fast 40 days and 40 nights, you're going to be hungry? <clears throat> but I looked at, I saw some things here in these first two verses. Number one, he went to the wilderness. <clears throat> the word wilderness there in the Greek means a solitary or a desolate or an uninhabited place. Literally, it means he went to a lonely place, a lonely place. And it said that he was going there to be tempted. The word tempted means to be tested. And then he was on a fast. Now, many of us right now can attest to that. Because here at the church, we've been doing a corporate fast for these last, um, what are we on, day 16? Day 16. And it is, it has been, you know, really, for me, I've been doing this, and honestly, this has been the first purposeful fast that I've ever done. The rest of the time, I just got hungry. And, um, but this, this had purpose in it, and with that... I'm learning some things. I'm learning some new things. But still yet, there's times that I've been hungry and I haven't even been on this thing 16 days, 17 days yet. And so um, what we've been going through during this time, and I, and I think about what we've been going through since the middle of March, it's easy for us to have the feeling that we're lonely because we've been stuck in our homes or or, or um, you know, not being able to get out and go do the, the normal things that we usually do. So things have been lonely. I, I know people that during this time have been depressed and even, even having thoughts of suicide and things like that. So this time has been very different because it's been a lonely time for many people. It's, it's been a time of testing. I mean, it's, it's, it's tested every part of our being to not have the freedom that we had two and a half, three months ago. And then, and then the fast that we've been doing, for many of us, we, we can relate to having, you know, not being able to, um, you know, having the hunger for natural things and not having, being able to, um, or, or not choosing not to do those things. So, you know, we can, we can um, attest to these things during this time. But, you know, I've got to confess something. Is the way that I've looked at this story, I thought you all, you all thought I was going to say that I ate something that I shouldn't have ate, huh? That's, that's not the, the confession today. 
I've been good. I've been a good boy. Um, anyways, uh, what I got to confess is this story, um, this account of Jesus here is the way that I've looked at it, the way that I've read it, or the way that I've heard this story being preached in the past is that Jesus out here in the wilderness, it's, it's hot in the wilderness. It's, it's lonely in the wilderness. Jesus is vulnerable in the wilderness. He's weak. He's hungry. He's thirsty. He's being, I even heard one preacher one time say that he's being stalked by wild animals. And, you know, some of that in the natural may be true. You know, that the devil was preying upon his weakness is the way I've always looked at it. Is that he's out here, he's so vulnerable and in such a vulnerable position that the devil now is coming after him to prey upon his weakness. But when I was reading through this, I saw something. It, it came in the very first line of, of chapter 4, verse 1, is it said that he was led up by the Spirit. He was led up by the Spirit. Literally means that he was being, he was, uh, being led to a higher place. The word led up means to be leading to a higher place. So does that mean that he was led up to a higher geographical elevation? I don't know. Maybe he was. I don't know the wilderness that he was in, if it's higher than, than the Jordan River. I, I really don't know. But what I got out of this is that the Spirit is the one that led him to a higher place. And if the Spirit is leading us to a higher place, the Spirit is leading us spiritually higher not just not geographically, it's on the inside of us. He's wanting to take us to a new upper level of who he is. He was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness. It wasn't a place that was just lonely and vulnerable and a place of weakness. That place that the Spirit was leading him to, that place that the Spirit leads us to, is a place that is solitary that is quiet, and it's a place of preparation. It's a place of preparation. Years ago, when, when Rhett, my son, was just um, a young, young boy, he was probably 8, 10, or 12, something like that. Me and him used to play the PlayStation together, and we would play this game called Medal of Honor. And Game Medal of Honor usually takes place, I think the whole series of those games <clears throat> took place uh, during World War II. And, and so you get to be this World War II um, character and go and <clears throat> fight different battles. But in, in that game, in the, in the chaos of combat, if your character got shot, that it would deplete the health meter that you had. One shot would not kill you, but multiple shots would deplete your health meter and ultimately die when you lost all of your health meter. So if you wanted to regain your health, what you had to do is get your character out of the midst of the chaos and the combat and take them into a solitary place. Not to, not to just to be quiet, but it was in that solitary place that the health was restored. And so... You, your character would get away and restore his health so that he could come back into the battle, so that he could come back into the fight and begin to, uh, to wage war again. And that's what, that's what Jesus is doing here. I got a whole different perspective when I realized that the wilderness was not to deplete Jesus. It was to build him up. It was that place of building up. Jesus was not in the wilderness to be weakened, to be tested. The test, God does not weaken us to test us. He does not put us in a place to be weakened. He was led up. He was led higher. He was put into a place of being spiritually higher to be spiritually strengthened to be tested. He was, he was there to set, be set up to succeed, not to fail. Jesus already knew Adam went through the same test, and he failed. 
but I'm going to set myself into this place and I'm going to, I'm going to get alone with God. I don't care about food. I don't care about water. I don't care about wild animals. I don't care about the heat. I don't care about all this stuff. Yes, it may come against my physical body, but I'm here to get strengthened. I'm here to be strengthened for the test. Can I just say this, that the, this, this season of quarantine, this season of shutdown, this season of safe at home, this season, even for us, fasting during this season, it's not a test. This is not the test. It's not even here to make us weak, but it's here to strengthen us in order to be tested. It's, it's to strengthen us so that when we walk out of this thing, that we walk into the test. See, the test is not now. The test is later. Well, pastor, if this isn't the test, are things going to get more difficult? Only if we waste the wilderness and not embrace it. Only it's going to get worse. The test is going to be hard if we waste the wilderness and not embrace it. I've heard, and myself included, there's been times that I have complained about this wilderness that we're in. Complained about the quarantine. Complained about the stay at home. Complained about the government. Complain, complain, complain. And when we're complaining, we are... We are wasting the wilderness. We as Christians should be embracing the wilderness. Not saying that we approve it and we think that it's just great. It's that we, we throw everything that is of our flesh aside and that we begin to pursue into God and saying, look, you, you strengthen me. My flesh may be weak, but my spirit is willing to be strengthened to go through this because the test is not yet. The test is when we come out of this thing. When you read 1 Samuel, we're not going to go over there, but when you read 1 Samuel chapter 30, you read the story of David not wasting his wilderness. What happened was David and his mighty men had been out fighting, warring against another um, group of people, and David and his mighty men came back to where they were staying in a, in a town called Ziklag. And when they came back to Ziklag, they found that all of their wives and children had been taken captive. The city was on fire. It had been burning for days. And now David, or now his, David's mighty men wanted to kill him. They were conspiring together to stone David. They were blaming David for this place that they were in, this place they didn't want to be in, this place of, of devastation, this place of, of loneliness. And the Bible says that it was during this time when all of this loneliness, when all of this pain, when all of this... Um, um, it, David felt alone. It says that he was distressed. David was distressed. That word distress means pain, sorrow, and anxiety. How many of us have felt that? How many of us during this time have felt that very thing? All alone. David was all alone, and he was feeling it. He was all alone knowing that his men are on the other side of the road conspiring to kill him. Because they blamed him. But what did David do? David embraced that moment. And the Bible says that David strengthened himself. It didn't matter what they were conspiring. It didn't matter that his wife and kids were gone. It didn't matter that the city that he was living in was on fire. And that many people had been killed because he went out and attacked somebody else. He was in that moment all alone and he strengthened himself. And when he strengthened himself, he gathered his men. He walked right back into that group of men and said, let's go get them. And they went against the kingdom who took their uh, wives and kids and they fought them. 
They won and they recovered everything that they had lost. Why? Because he strengthened himself in that desert season, in that wilderness season. See, this is what I found out that happens. That embracing the wilderness tempers who we are. Embracing the wilderness tempers who we are. And not only that, it tempers whose we are. It's exactly what Jesus took place, what took place on the inside of him when he went to the wilderness. He was strengthening himself. He wasn't being weakened. He was strengthening himself and embracing and tempering what had been spoken to him in the Jordan River when he came up out of that river and said, this is my beloved son. We go on, look at verse 2 again. It says, when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Afterward, he was hungry. This word afterward means after this. See, the testing didn't come during that 40 days and 40 nights. It came after the 40 days and 40 nights. Let's go on in verse 3. It says, now when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. And he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. This instance right here was the first of three tests. The first of three tests that happened. The first of three temptations, so to speak. And all three of those challenges that the devil came at Jesus with We're challenging Jesus' identity, his love, and his purpose. The very thing that he got from baptism when God said, this is my beloved son, those were the very areas that Jesus was challenged in. Challenged in his identity, his love, and his purpose. And you know what? I'm not going to read it all today. But Jesus met every challenge by what was given to him in the water. He met every challenge by he was the beloved son. He believed that he was God's beloved son. And he embraced the wilderness that gave him strength. See, when the devil said, if you are the son of God... That was a lie. Any any question that the devil gives you that says, if this, if that, if you, if you are the son of God is a lie. And if the devil can get Jesus to believe that lie, if the devil can get you to believe that lie, if the devil can get us to believe the lie of who God says we are, then he's the one that remains in authority. But if we don't believe the lie and we stand on what we believe, that we are sons and daughters of God, that God has given us love, his love, his entirety of love, and he has given us a purpose in this life, then we now have authority over him. Amen? Man, that's good. Preach to myself. See, being a child of God, being a son or a daughter of God is our right. It now becomes a right. It now becomes a gift. And that right and that gift is not something that a child of God, a son or a daughter, has to prove. My son does not have to prove that he's a glegern. He doesn't have to prove that he's my son. He's my son. There ain't nobody, nobody can can turn him away from that. There ain't no one that can turn him away from that. He doesn't have to prove that. That's his right. When he steps onto the property of my house, when he steps onto my property, 
he has every right to tell anyone to get off that property. And if they challenge him and he questions it, he immediately gives the authority over to them. We have a right as sons and daughters. We have a gift that's been given to us. And because Jesus refused to give away his identity, his love, his purpose that was strengthened in the wilderness, his confidence as the beloved son sunk deeper and deeper into the core of who he was. Every time the devil come at him, he got stronger and stronger and stronger every time. And he put the devil in his place and it says that the devil left him for another time. He thought, well, maybe next year I can come back and get him. He's coming back to try to get him. But Jesus now is so built up in his confidence of what he believes as a beloved son, as the beloved son. could take on a bear with a switch in the woods at night. He's that confident. Beginning in earlier this year, beginning the year of 2020, Pastor Lynette had uh, spoke a message into this year. And I believe that, that she is a, a prophet of our house, that when she speaks these kinds of things, these prophetic words, that they become a part of our foundation when she speaks those things. And this year, she spoke into this year for us as a body to pay attention to the time. And that word time in the Greek is defined in two words. The first word is chronos, which means a measured time. It's where we get uh, uh, the word chronograph or chronological it's, it's about a measured place of time. And the other word is kairos. And it means those God moments. It means those appointed times. It's those special set times that, that God sets up or is a, is a set up time. It's a, it's a moment. And so she talked about paying attention to those kairos moments that we are to look for. She said that we are to look for and take advantage of those Kairos moments. And 2020, what she was saying was that 2020 is going to hold those Kairos moments for us. It's going it's, to, it's, there's, there's going to be points along our way. And, and back then, I don't think she saw the fullness of what was going to come because 2020 has been wild. It has been crazy. It has been so goofy. Hashtag 2020 is drunk. Hashtag on Corona. Hashtag and Tiger King. And then free Joe Exotic. Anyways, um, that's, that's, it's been a crazy year that we've been in. But as sons and daughters... We have been given a Kairos moment. This is, this time, this wilderness, so to speak, time has been a Kairos moment. And what we have been thinking as lonely and distressing, we need to leverage as quiet and solitary. Listen, we've only got so much time left in this Kairos moment. We've only got so much Kronos left in this moment. And if it's been lonely and distressing, we need to leverage the quiet and solitary from here on out. If it's been a testing time for you, make it a preparation time. And if you've been fasting, make it a time of eating bread, eating the bread of life at the table of God. And maybe you're sitting there going, well, you know, I wasn't sure about this whole fasting thing and I don't know, I haven't done it up to now. And, you know, so I missed this time. No, you didn't miss anything. This is only day 16 to day 21. You've got, you've got five days left. Make the, make the most out of those five days. If you haven't started and began this fast, start today. Start for the reason of saying, I am strengthening myself for what is to come. 
I'm not starving myself. I'm strengthening myself. You can still start. No condemnation, man. You can still start today. But if you've been fasting and you feel like giving up, no, don't give up. Sit down and eat the bread of life at the table of the Lord because he sets a table. Psalm 23 says he sets a table in the presence of your enemies. You can sit there and eat bread, the, the word of God, and your enemy is sitting there going, what's wrong with you? Why ain't you fighting? Because the fight's going to come to you. I'm like David. I'm strengthening myself. I'm going to bring the fight to you. So you better get ready. You better get ready, devil. You better get ready. And when we do that, we are tempering our identity. We are tempering the love that has been given to us from the Father. We are tempering the purpose that he has set before us because we are his beloved. See, Jesus was the beloved, but we are a beloved. We are beloved sons and daughters. Before Jesus ever did any miracle signs and wonders, he went in and embraced the wilderness. When, when you read this account, what you see here in Matthew chapter 3 and moving into chapter 4 and coming out of that chapter 4, what you see is you see the water, you see the wilderness, and you see the wonder. The water imparted identity, love, and purpose to Jesus. The wilderness strengthened identity, love, and purpose. And the wonder demonstrated his identity, his love, and his purpose. Here's what I want you to see. Listen. In this time that we're living, in this Kairos moment that we're living in, you are not alone. You may feel lonely, but you're not alone. Because there's a Jewish rabbi with wet hair just a few steps in front of you. There's a Jewish rabbi with wet hair just a few steps in front of you. See, rabbi means teacher. And Jesus wants to meet with us in this wilderness to teach us this higher place. This higher place that he went to, not to be hungry, not to be weary, not to be weak, not to be vulnerable. He went there to be strengthened. He went there to strengthen what God had spoken in the water. If you're a Christian today, and especially if you've been baptized, you have on the inside of you the very same thing. The very same thing on the inside of you. That God transformed his identity in you. He imparted his love into you and he transposed. He transposed his purpose in you. Because here's the deal. 2020 is not over. It's not over. I mean, we're almost halfway there. But the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come come because the test is yet to come. And that test that we're going to go through when we come out of what we've been going through, when when we're released to get back out into where we need to be, that test will build your confidence. It's going to build our confidence in our identity, in our love, and our purpose that God imparted and it drive and and when we are when we there when we're there it drives us drives it deep into our core of who he said we are and that's when the barriers of miracles 
revelation and revival fall. The barriers fall of miracles, revelation, and revival. We are, we are, we are building ourselves up, y'all. In this time, in this moment, in this season, in this wilderness, we are building ourselves and strengthening ourselves so that we can step into greater things. The very thing that we sang about this morning, the greater things. We trust God. We trust the beloved. We trust what he said about us as being his beloved. We trust him. We believe him. And there ain't no one can step into our world when we believe him and have authority over what God has given us. When you gave yourself to him, you became his property. You said, I'm stepping into your world, and he said, I'm stepping into yours. We've got to trust that. We can't allow, we can't allow the government to tell us, and I'm not talking about rebellion, I'm not talking about standing up and, and, and you know, going after the government and rebelling and all that kind of stuff. Jesus never did that. He simply just took what God placed in front of him and each step that he took, he took authority in that place that he let heaven come to this earth in that place that he was at, wherever he was and wherever he spoke into. I love the story about when the, when the man come to him, the centurion, I believe it was, come to him and said, my servant is sick. Jesus said, I'll come to him. And he says, no, you don't have to come anywhere. Speak the word only and my servant will be healed. And Jesus just spoke into that place. And when he spoke into that place, his servant was healed because he spoke in authority. My gosh, guys, when we are the beloved, greater things happen. But we've got to embrace this wilderness. Because we followed the rabbi with wet hair and believed that we are the beloved. Our greatest ministry, our greatest ministry is still yet to come. I didn't talk to Kirsty this week and, and, and tell her, this is what I'm preaching. And she goes, okay, I got a song for that. It's just about being in that place. It's about being in that place. And, and we're not testing each other. We're not, <laughs> we're not saying, okay, you see what God gives you. I'll see what God gives me. No, God just brings a Kairos moment together. If we'll just walk into it, strengthening ourselves, watch what he will do. Our greatest ministry is still to come. Amen. Let me pray for you and I'll let you get with your family. Heavenly Father, I praise you and I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for this time that we've shared and God, I pray that the words that were spoken will echo in our hearts and our minds and that we will be careful to allow that seed that is planted to rise up. Father, we're in this season where we're driving around and we're seeing um, fields being planted. <clears throat> and just a few days after they're being planted, that, that sprout is coming up. So, Father, let it be the same way in our hearts and in our minds as the seed of the Word of God gets planted on the inside of us. Let it, let it be an immediate sprouting of your Spirit on the inside of us. I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you for your word. Now, Father, I pray that if there's anyone <clears throat> that is listening that has never stepped into that relationship with you, they've never said, yes, I want to step into your territory, God. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross. I believe that he bled and paid the price. And I believe that he was resurrected from the dead. So how do I step into that? Jesus said, would you come and follow me? After he had already been established as the son of God, he said, now would you come and follow me? Would you follow this rabbi with wet hair? This is your day. If you've never said yes to Jesus before, you've never said, yes, I'll come and follow you. This is your time. 
It's not about praying some great prayer to be the beloved. It's not about, it's not about walking an aisle. It's not about raising your hand. It's simply about saying, I'm going to follow this rabbi with wet hair. I'm going to follow him. If that's you today and you've never followed him before, this is your time. I want you to do something. If you're saying yes to him today, right where you're sitting, I can't see you, but you can see you. And when, when I say, when I ask the question, if you have chosen to follow the Lord for the first time today, I want you to right where you're at to raise your hand because the raised hand is, is an outward expression of what has happened on the inside of you. So if you said yes to him today, right where you're sitting, would you raise your hand? If, if, if you have followed him at one time and you've got away from him, if you want to return to him today, he will not turn you out. Raise your hand right where you're at and say, yes, I want to make that commitment again. I want to commit again to saying, yes, I will follow him. Raised hand is an outward expression of an inward change. If you did that today, you are a Christian. You are the beloved. You are his beloved son or daughter. Amen. Amen. Well, guys, I hope that you have a a great Memorial Day weekend. Uh, Enjoy your time with your family. Um, Take a moment and think about someone who has paid the ultimate price during this time. Pray for their families. Pray for if if you've um, um, went through something like that. um, Man, pray and just thank God for giving um, freedom that 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 price is freedom. So anyways, God bless America. We love you. We thank you so much for joining us today. And um, man, y'all have a great rest of your week. We've got some big things coming. Stay tuned to Facebook and um, stay tuned to this week. And and, um, God bless our president for doing what he's doing. So we'll we'll have some news coming out this week. So stay tuned. We love you guys. Y'all have a good week. Have a good one.